what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we blow the lid off of Boss's Day with a hard-hitting expose that would make Mike Wallace and Morley Safer green with envy. We'll be talking with a small business owner, Jenny Ziemer, who started her own senior move and transition business and has, has expanded to multiple locations. And finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some businesses that we've come across that you should check out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It looks like fall is with us. Uh, It's getting nice and cool. The leaves are turning. And I'm really excited about talking about these topics that you've got lined up for us today. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's feeling good out there, a little crisp out there now. So I hope everyone's having a good fall as the leaves start to change. But we're taping this today on October 16th. And you know now, I don't know if you knew before. I really but, didn't know until you just said it. Today is known as Boss's Day. So, or, or it's celebrated as Boss's Day. So my question to you is, do you know how Boss's Day came about? No, unless it was Hallmark when they were developing Grandfather and Grandmother Days. You know, that would be my guess, too. I would have said Hallmark, too, but not correct. It was actually first started by a woman named Patricia Bays Horosky, who registered National Boss's Day with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in 1958. She was working as a secretary for State Farm Insurance Company in Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, And at the time, she chose October 16th, which was her father's birthday. And she was working for her father at the time. So the purpose of this special day is to show appreciation for bosses, uh, which she thought they deserved, and it might improve communication between them. So anyway, that... Interesting fact. I bet you did not know that. I did not know that, and I certainly didn't know it was that long ago. Hallmark Cards did not offer a Boss's Day card for sale until 1979. I'm surprised they didn't react sooner. Well, you know, they seem to have a – there seems to be a certain day every day of the week these days well, that they true. come there up with. Well, that's true. There are 365 so, days. They probably had to find an extra one. So so anyway, where, where do you fall out on Boss's Day? Are you pro-Boss's Day? Are you anti-Boss's Day? Or are you ambivalent about Boss's Day? I'm not – Pro Boss's Day because I don't think that it needs to be. You're just saying that because you're my boss, aren't no, you? No, no, no. I don't think there needs to be a Boss's Day. Because I, I had a new car out there for you. Oh, but well, now, then, uh, now you know what? Boss's Day could be really good if uh, you okay. have the right gift. Okay. All right. So, all right. How big is the car? Is it a matchbox car? Uh, <laughs> It's going to be a luxury car, Gary. You, just, you, you deserve the best. Well, thank you very much. I so, appreciate but that. But it's really, it's probably the thought that counts. It is the thought. Okay. I hope it's a good thought. All right. Well, I, yeah, I've, I've never, you know, I, and I, you're a great boss, but I've never been a big <laughs> fan of Boss's Day. I just, you know, it seems to be. It's, it's a lot of political. It seems to be a little strange, you know. And it puts a lot of pressure on the folks uh, that are working with you sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, you sort of, you, you, you might step in it if you don't do it right. So, That's right. Know, well, I'm, we keep up a ledger who says. Happy Boss's Day, and who doesn't? Well, you're, you're a former accountant. I yeah, expect right. you to, uh, it, it's to a keep It's a good that. credit on the 
right-hand side. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you know, for our, our startups and our small businesses, we, if you're the boss, we recognize you today. Uh, you know, if you're a startup, you might be the boss and the employees. You you know, so you might be a little bit of everything. But uh, you know, today's boss's day. Proceed carefully and uh, treat your boss with respect, at least, hoping that he or she deserves it. But anyway, you know, let's move on. Okay, that sounds good. We're fortunate today to uh, have a guest, uh, Jenny Ziemer, who started her own business called Here to Home. And uh, Jenny's, uh, I guess, headquarters is in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, and Here to Home is, is sort of a senior move business. She helps people transition to new homes and helps people in their existing homes as they're, as they're getting older. So, Jenny, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about your business, Here to Home. Tell us you know, you know, what sort of services do you guys provide, and, and tell us a little bit about who your customers are. Well, we do everything it takes to get somebody moved from here, where they are now, to their new home, thus the name Here to Home. So what we normally do is start with a conversation with the people that we're moving, and we work primarily with seniors um, who are downsizing, moving to a senior community or moving to a smaller home because they just can't manage a bigger home anymore. It's just getting too overwhelming. So we listen. That's the first thing we do is we listen, listen, listen to what their goals are, what their time frame is, what they want to accomplish, and then we come up with a plan to accomplish that. Um, a lot of times we start with a floor plan, um, showing them what they can take and what they can move into their new apartment or their new cottage or where they're moving. And then once you know what you can take, it's very natural to know what you can't take. So then we start sorting and deciding, well, I'm going to give this to my grandson. This is going to go to my niece. Um, we're going to give these things to, uh, I try to use local charities so that there's that money and, and services stay within the community. Um, if we have something that's of value, we find places to sell things, whether it's auction, buyout, eBay. Um, and then when it comes time to move, after all this planning and sorting, we do all the packing. So we pack everything up, and then the movers come. We're not movers. We don't own a truck. But then the movers come, move everything to the new community. They follow our floor plan. So we just say, put it there, put it there, put it there. Um save a lot of money on the moves because we're, we're bossy and we tell the movers what to do. <laughs> and then once they uh, put the furniture in place, then we just unpack all the boxes and put things away. So the move can actually take two days instead of weeks of packing boxes and unpacking boxes, doing it yourself. Relieves a lot of stress for the seniors who are moving, relieves a lot of stress for their adult children and their family. And it also benefits the senior communities into which we move because the senior communities aren't answering all these picky kind of little questions about details about the move. They can just hand that all over to us and um, they can go about, you know, taking care of the residents in, their, in the community. Oh, that's, that's in a nutshell what we do. So, so, so how long have you been doing this and, and how did you get started? Well, I started in May of 2008 and um Right before the recession hit, which was, uh, you know, no one was selling homes in 2008. Um, but I started it because I helped my parents move uh, a couple of years before that. They needed to move from 4,400 square feet where my dad was going up and down stairs. He has arthritis. Said, we just can't live here anymore. They found a single level living home with the master bedroom on the first level. And as 
I used to be an exhibitionist. I was an exhibition designer for museums. All right, so, I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm clarif- glad you clarified yeah, that. Good for you. That. Right, right. Woo-hoo. But um, <laughs> so I'm used to doing floor plans and elevations and understanding the logistics of moving stuff. So I said, well, let me do a floor plan of your new home and we can see what will move to the new place. Because they were literally going from 4,400 square feet to 2,000 square feet. So if you do the math, you have, they had to get rid of half their stuff. So I had a program in my computer. I did the floor plan, and the move went smoothly. My parents actually had the yard sales and the hauler and the, gave books to the library and things like that. And uh, But the move was so easy. They saved like $300 on the move. And the movers had never seen a floor plan before and never seen that kind of organization. And my mom said, you should do this for a living. And I kind of tapped out on museums, you know, designed by committee, you know, makes a camel. If you design a horse by committee, it makes a camel. That's kind of where I felt like I was, was unhappy in my profession. So I started looking into how, what is this? How, there must be a market out there for this. And I eventually found the National Association of Senior Move Managers, got trained, quit my job and started my business. No, very cool. I certainly see a need for it because that's, I had to move my parents from a very, similar size house to a much smaller one, one floor. And they were in Pennsylvania and I'm in North Carolina and it was a real challenge and it took them a long time and it was uh, traumatic for them because they were trying to do it themselves and they weren't necessarily up to that. And so this would have been a great service to have when they were going through that process. Yeah, it's it's very traumatic because a lot of people haven't moved in 30 and 40 years. Exactly. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do to sell their house. They don't know how to hire a mover. Um, we have vetted resources. We have movers in the area um, that we've worked with before. We have uh, vetted sales venues that we can sell things. We know the charities and what they need. Um, so we don't throw a lot away. A lot of people, it's their identities. One of the last exhibit projects I worked on was a traveling exhibit about our, our, our identity. And you realize that you build your home up and it becomes your you. It's you, you know, it's an expression of you. And now, oh, no, I have to move. I have to get rid of half of it. And I'm going to become institutionalized in moving to one of these senior communities. The rest home is nursing home. Those are past words. No one uses those words anymore. They're now called senior communities. And what we've been trained to do is find home what defines home for them. Whether it's the lazy boy and the TV or whether it's I had a woman who made models and she had to have her model making table and her bookshelf for storing her supplies. That was home to her to have those pieces of furniture. So we define home and make sure those things go with you. And that reduces a lot of the stress of, of the move. So, you know, something that you you said that you always start with is doing a lot of listening, you know, and, and I guess that's so critical to finding out what makes home to people. You, How long does this process take? You said the move might take just two days, but I get the sense that the whole planning process is a – that does take more time and, and effort on your part. Yes, yes, it does. It can take as long as um, a week or as short as a week or it can take as long as six months. You know, it really depends on how – much stuff people have we've worked in 8,000 square foot homes that took nine months to you know to to engage the process of disseminating the things that she didn't need um and we've worked with people who are literally moving into the same size you know so so the density of stuff is really what defines the length of time 
and how willing people are to give up their stuff. Because you got to give it up. You cannot. We have to obey the laws of physics. Uh, <laughs> you can't fit two objects in the same place at the same time. <laughs> well, you got to take. Yeah. When I, when I was looking at your website, I, I, I think I saw mention that uh, you also uh, have some experience with hoarders. So I, I imagine that uh, creates, I imagine you've been in some interesting situations. I've been in some very interesting situations, yes. And what we've learned from that is that we cannot judge. We come in with no judgment. I've told my staff, leave your egos at the door. These are people. We These are people. And they have made their choices in their lives, and hoarders will always have that tendency in them. Their homes will never look like Martha Stewart lived there. <laughs> That's just who they are. Most people have had a really tragic event in their life who hoard, and so therefore they're holding on to things because they can control things, and they, they don't want to let it go. So um, when I do work with hoarders, I highly recommend that they get some psychological counseling because I'm not a psychologist. I understand what's going on but I can't counsel them. All I can do is talk about the logistics of their stuff. So, um, and we just try to make it safe for them to live in their homes yeah. or to move to a new home. Do you charge by project or you charge by hour? Cause I could see a hoarder would take more time than somebody that's yeah. got it planned out much better. Right. Hoarders are, we charge by the hour and I actually use a reduced rate because I know it's going to be thousands of dollars of my time right. to, to work with someone who's hoarding. So um, it's this is a compassionate industry where, you know, we're working with human beings who are in trauma, you know, or in some sort of transition and they're stressed. So uh, I find that I can be compassionate, but I'm also a business. So I need to charge an appropriate rate to be able to cover my costs and to make a profit. So it's a, it's a hard because it's like moving your grandmother, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you do it out of the love of your heart and you love of people. But I also have to get my children into college. You know? uh, exactly. Have you had yeah. some cases where you just had to walk away because they wouldn't um, uh, cooperate where they wouldn't cooperate and say, you know, I have to take all these pieces and you say they don't fit in the space that you're going to? And they just wouldn't give up? Right. We actually just recently moved someone to a senior community who had said, oh, my daughters and my sons, they're going to do the downsizing, and you don't need to worry about that. I just did the floor plan for them. Come back in six weeks, and we'll be ready to go. And I checked in with them, and I saw that it wasn't happening. And what I find in this industry, you have to be a straight shot. I told her, you have to get rid of half of your kitchen. Your kitchen will not fit in your new community will not fit in your new home. You need to get rid of it. And she didn't. So instead of, and so I said, instead of one day to pack you, it will now take us two days to pack you. And therefore you will incur that expense. I can't give away my services for free. And so we packed them in two days instead of one day. And when we got there, what we did was we tried to unpack the things that she needed And then we told her, your guest bedroom will be full of boxes because you could not make decisions about what you could let go of. And I think I was trying to do this in a way that didn't make her wrong for for doing it because that's, it's stressful. What do you keep? She couldn't envision the new place, I think. And, but I needed to tell her what was going to happen because of her indecision so that she could be prepared for having all these boxes around the house. So we moved the boxes and they actually had a little storage unit at the new community. We put them all in there, and she and her husband just took time 
to go through the boxes over the course of a couple of weeks. And um, he actually had a bad reaction, physical reaction. He was 93 years old. He couldn't do this. He had to go to the emergency room one day because of the stress of the move. And I wish I could have been there to say, just hire us and let us do this. (laughs) But I can't make people hire us to reduce their stress. So we do what we can with the stubbornness of our clients. So, so now, Jenny, your your business has expanded to a point where you have multiple locations, or you provide your services in multiple areas. How mm-hmm. how did that come about, and and how do you uh, manage uh, having business in multiple locations? Well, that's a good story. As a small business owner, you know, you kind of start out with the business plan. You know, you make the mission statement and the goals and the structure and all that, and then I think. It's a good exercise, but then it sometimes just flies out the window. You know, that's kind of what's happened to me over and over again. Um, I started my business in Philadelphia. I was living in Philadelphia. My husband and I um, were there with our kids, and I thought we were going to stay there. It was going to be me and some of my really good friends doing this business. My husband got a new job in North Carolina. So I said, stop. Okay, I have a choice here. I can say the business is done, give it up, or I can expand it. And I talked to my employees, and and they said, sure, we can take this on. We just need a little training, and we need a leader here in Philadelphia. So through my networking, I found someone who could be the marketing lead and the project lead and and hired her. And then I was free to move to to North Carolina. Now, at the same time, my sister, who lives in Raleigh, said, oh, I would love to be a part of your business. So when you move to Hickory, let's make it really two locations in Hickory and Raleigh. And so all of a sudden, I went from this one little business in Philadelphia to three, and uh, the which I was completely, I, I this is not my goal, you know, but <laughs> this is what life gave me, you know. So I started to develop the two businesses, and unfortunately, my sister passed away. She was uh, she had lupus and died of complications of lupus about two years ago, and at the same time, my husband and I were divorcing. So again. I had to stop and look at what I was doing and say, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay in Hickory? Am I going to move to Raleigh to pick up the business where she's left off? And and I think you do a lot of soul searching and just a lot of really, really, what is it that you want to do? And so um, I said, the business is in Raleigh. Hickory has fewer um, people in transition. We do more work in Winston-Salem. I think Hickory is just a small town. People like to stay in their homes. It's the way it is. I'm not going to fight it. It's the way it is. So, um, so I expanded my So I, I moved to Durham, and that's how I got the business here. And staying in connection with the staff, I have staff in Hickory, staff in Philly, and staff in Raleigh or in Durham. And um, I have bought a fleet of iPads so that we all are logged in with the same calendar. We're all logged in with the same contact list. We can see what each other's doing. Um, We have shared apps where we do floor plans and Word documents and proposals on shared apps. So I can see paperwork-wise what we're doing and project-wise what we're doing. And then I I talk to my staff in both locations at least once a week, you know, so just to keep up with what's going on. 
So that's that's kind of that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, but I, I yeah, I think it's you know interesting. You know, you you it sounds like you've gone through some some personal issues, and and as a small business owner, you know, juggling those things and and maintaining your business is you know that's a challenge in itself, and yep. uh, you know that people can run into. So I you know I think your story sort of you know probably resonates with a lot of people. I was thinking the exact same thing. Life gets in the way of all our plans, and we have to be able to react to them if we're going to be successful. Yeah. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. How, how do you go about, you know, as far as finding your customers? I mean, it sounds like you have a, you know, a, a very specific niche. But, I, you know, I guess you know, one question I would have is in terms of how you find them or how you do your marketing. Is it is it word of mouth? Or are you trying to find more senior type people or are you marketing to the, the children of seniors and how do you how do you find your customers yes yes and yes <laughs> word of mouth is really the way i get my my business uh, out there people don't know how to look up this service in a directory how do you find it in yellow pages no one knows it exists first of all no one knows you know like you said you moved your parents in in pennsylvania you never knew that there were senior move managers in Pennsylvania. They've been there for the last 20 years. No, I would have so, loved to have it. Yeah, we've been here. So where do you look? And I think it's word of mouth. Senior communities themselves uh, refer us a lot so that knowing people who are the marketing directors and senior communities is very helpful. And real estate agents who are aware of seniors who are moving out of their homes because they can no longer take care of them. Um, so it's really networking, and I know the Small Business Center offers a lot of networking advice and through the chamber and a lot of networking opportunities. So go to those events. That's that's huge, just letting people know you're there. I don't do any um, mailers or advertising, really, other than word of mouth. So. Well, and, and yeah, I, I think the demographics sort of work towards – uh, work in the benefit of a business like this as the as the baby boomer generation is aging and has some of those needs you know, there must be a pretty big market out there for you there's an amazing statistic that 10,000 people a day in the United States turn 65 that's been going on since what 2012 or something like that and it'll go on for the next 17 years so you know ups and downs, but um, 10,000 people a day turn 65. And the baby boomers are different than the silent generation, are a little different than the greatest generation and the way they downsize, too. I've been to one of the conferences uh, that NASM puts on, and we had someone who talked about the different generations and how they, and the qualities of those generations. And having worked with seniors now, you can see the the people who were born in, during the Depression, lived through the Depression, they want to hold on to everything. Mm. The silent generation, they will pretty much say yes to whatever I suggest. And so it's a huge integrity issue for me, you know, to make sure that I suggest something in alignment the way they want to live their lives, you know. So I make sure that it's their goals. 
And then the baby boomers, they're just like, I'll write you a check and we'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that would be the way my wife is. And my parents were, and my father lived through the Depression and he didn't yeah. want to give anything up. Uh, he, had, uh, he is the classic. He has the first nickel he earned because he was scared to death something was going to happen. Wow. Well, it was, as you look back at your, your business, are there, are there things that uh, you wish you had known uh, when you started that you've learned that uh, you would share with people starting up? Ah, uh, good question. I saw that on your list. Oh. It's, I, didn't, I would have liked to have known that I would love this so much. I didn't think I was an entrepreneur because I had worked in you know, businesses as an employee for a long time. And I didn't think that I would, I didn't know that I was going to love being my own boss and being so entrepreneurial. It was, of course, a leap of faith, you know, an educated leap, you know, you do your research, but um, I love it. And I, if I'd known that I was going to love it so much, it would have been nice to have done it sooner, you know? It's interesting. I think more often we, you know, I run into people who, um, assume they're going to love the flexibility and the being their own boss part before they get into it. It sounds like you sort of, because of circumstances, got into it and found that you loved it as opposed to saying, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I need the flexibility uh, and, and the freedom and I'm going to start my own business. And sometimes that works. Sometimes people don't realize all the work that goes into it and the fact that if you're the boss uh, uh, you can't turn that uh, the phone off at five o'clock or, or you can't turn your brain off at five o'clock uh, you know it's it's always there when i i oversee the moves and i also do the administrative tasks i haven't doled out or a lot of that so i'll wake up sometimes at 4 a.m to do payroll the day of a move so that i can make sure my employees get paid on time you know and then go and oversee movers moving boxes you know so you got to do what you got to do and um and i do it <laughs> well, <laughs> we sounds, do it. <laughs> it sounds like one of the other keys to your business and, and that i get the sense you're pretty good at is you you were talking about the importance of relationships word of mouth marketing but it sounds like you have to have relationships not only with senior communities but with movers and uh, and I'm uh, I'm sure that comes. Some of those relationships are built over time, but you have to have some comfort in in building them. And I I would think that that's very critical to your type of business, and that it's a very personal business. Yes, it's very personal. Um, one of the phrases we use in the industry is that we're the lady in your underwear drawer. You know, underwear <laughs> <laughs> drawer. Two days ago, <laughs> we were organizing for a move, so. Um, it, you get up close and personal and, and you just got to love the people you're with, you know, and love what they're, what, what they're doing. It, it sounds, sounds silly. You know, it sounds shallow, but if you can generate that kind of love for the people you're working with, things will go smoothly. I don't know how else to say it. Are the vast majority of your moves local, local being a uh, hundred miles or? Yeah, most people move within the city in which they're living. To, okay. to, um, but we do do national moves. I'm moving someone to Iowa right now, and we move people to Chicago and New York, and so. But but ninety percent are local, I'd say. Well, are there any other uh, lessons that uh, you've learned that uh, you think uh, would be interesting to our listeners? I do have one thing that's on my mind is um, I've learned what I call straight talk in this business is seniors are very trusting people. Um, and 
uh, you can see why so many scams are out there because they trust what they get in the mail. They trust what you tell them. You know, they they take you at your word. That's the generation. And I have learned that the promises I make, because we all in small business make a promise. That's our service. My, I promise that I'm going to move you as stress less as possible. And that kind of straight talk I've learned um, on the job, you know, is if you can't make promises, you can't fulfill. You can't say to a senior, you're going to love it at your new home. No, I have no control over that. I have no, you can't make that promise. It's all I can say is that we're going to get you there with the things you love in a way that's as stress-free as possible. And I hope that you enjoy your life in the new, new environment. Um, and having a straight talk about what you can and can't take um, is, is something that that I've learned on the job. And it's and if you can look look a project in the eye and say, this is what's going to happen in a realistic way, like I say, follow the laws of physics and follow the laws of time. We can't time travel. We can't pack a 24-hour day, you know, into eight hours. That's that, that's the, the, the piece of advice or the lessons learned that I have to, to share. Does that make sense? That makes <laughs> that a lot makes of sense. sense. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's uh... – I think the concept of straight talk and and uh, standing by your straight talk uh, is something that uh, whether you're in a small business or or whether you're working for somebody or a business owner or not, I think that's pretty pretty darn good advice. <laughs> so, one of the adages that I learned and one of, you know everybody takes seminars to sort of improve their skills and I remember one of the leaders of a seminar saying. At the end of a project, you either have in your hands that which you promised you were going to do or you hold in your hands all the excuses why not. And at the end of moving someone, I would have all those promises in my hand and say, here, you're home. Well, I think that sounds great. And I, and I want to thank you for taking some time to, to talk about your business and, and share some of your experiences with us and, and with the, the folks listening to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Where can, if people want to learn more about your company, what's your website address where people can find you? Sure. We're on the web at here to home, which is here, H-E-R-E, the number two, and the word home.com. That's the best place to reach us. Okay. And you can get our phone numbers and email off of there. Well, super. Well, yeah. th- well thank you so much for, for, for sharing all that. And we, we wind up our, our podcast uh, each month with uh, talking a little bit about uh, small businesses that we've run across. And, and Jenny, you were saying that uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the association involved in your industry because that's where people can find lots of outstanding small businesses that do this sort of work. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Thank you. Thank you. The um, National Association of Senior Move Managers is the professional organization that all senior move managers belong to. The term senior move manager is actually trademarked by NASM, um, so they need to be members. NASM sets the ethical guidelines. They have training packets for people who um, want to be a senior move manager. Their website, which is nasmm.org, you can find a senior move manager in your area. There's about 900 different companies in in the United States and Canada that do the same kind of services that we do. Some do a little bit more, some do a little bit less. Everybody's business is a little bit different. Most of them, 95% of them are small businesses. Um, There are a couple of uh, businesses that are franchised, but most of them are people just like me who wanted to have a small business that was a service business. 
and we all go through the same training, the same ethical guidelines. You'll get excellent service from anyone that you relate, uh, that you, you contact through the NASM website as a senior move manager. Wonderful, wonderful people in this industry. So that was www.nasm.org? Two M's. Two M's. Senior manager nasmm.org okay so so if you go there you can feel comfortable that you've got someone that's been certified and gone through the the right uh, uh, training to to do a good job in this sort of thing because it's a very personal move and a stressful move it, it, it is yep thank you so, well thank you gary what is your small business uh this month thanks jeff i'm excited cautiously excited to tell you about my small business idea of the month because it's something that all of us could use but may be uncomfortable talking about. It's been a Shark Tank success, and you know I love that show. they got a catchy name, so here goes. It's Squatty Potty. Squatty Potty. I would not be surprised if many of our listeners are happy customers. This company makes unique bathroom stools that enable users to squat and have a more enjoyable experience. They're in Target and Lowe's and many other places thanks to their Shark Tank exposure. They have a manufacturer in the United States that keeps up with the demand because it's pretty high. They can make up to six squatty potties in a minute now. You can get your squatty in different designs and colors. And I know you're taking notes now, so that shows that no, there you know, could be a need for somebody in you know, Christmas is coming family. here. Christmas there, there you is go. coming. I bet they have red and green ones. Yeah, I bet. Uh, another benefit of being associated with one of the sharks, Lori, is that the company's getting good squatting rights in the retail locations. These are mine. Not did, on their did, did you write this stuff yourself? I am writing okay, these. Okay, great. After a lot of Coke. Okay. Coca-Cola. <laughs> okay. Glad to clarify that. It's also adding related products to further enhance that our important time. They're hoping to change the way we go to the bathroom one stool at a time. How'd I do? Are you quite done? I'm done. Okay. I'm finished. <laughs> well, this we might be finished after this podcast, Gary. I don't know. Um my small business of the month is something that I saw in a recent edition of Business North Carolina magazine. It had an article about a mountain winery called Thistle Meadow Winery, which is in Laurel Springs, North Carolina. And it's operated by a father and son team named Tom and Brant Burgess. And you can go visit the winery there in Laurel Springs, and it looks very cool. But what really caught my eye was a sort of a... Uh, uh, related business that they have developed an online business uh, called Grape Stompers, and if you've ever so if you ever thought about making your own wine, you can go to their online business, which is www.grapestompers.com, and they sell uh, winemaking equipment, supplies, winemaking kits. So if you never made wine before, you can go there and get a kit, and they're going to give you everything that you need to make your own wine. They also have free online winemaking tutorials uh, so they can help you hopefully make that first batch uh, drinkable so that uh, you know, you're not going to poison anybody. They have a free monthly newsletter called The Stomper, and they host an annual home winemaking festival there at their, uh, at their winery up in Laurel Springs. So it seemed like a really cool business. It looks like they also had some, if, if you're interested in making sake, if you're interested in beer, they've got things related to those as well, but they focus on wine. So cool business. You can check it out at www.grapestompers.com. And if you want, you can visit the Thistle Meadow Winery in Laurel Springs, North Carolina, which is up in the mountains. It would be a beautiful, beautiful time, time to right do now. It. 
So exactly. Anyway, Jenny, we want to thank you uh, for for joining us today. We want to thank the Mesh for hosting the Entrepreneur Exchange. You can download us at themesh.tv or subscribe at the iTunes Store. If you have a suggestion for a small business of the month, you can send it to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we pick your selection, you will get our entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneur exchange prize pack, which uh, could include a coupon for a squatty potty. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a discount. Gonna, that's going to bring them in. You never I, know. I think so. Or maybe we'll give you wine, one of the two, or maybe both. You well, never and that know. also shows the diverse types of things we talk about in our small business. So true. We thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next month. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.